This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work to money to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Welcome to Queen Speaking. I'm Brianna. And I'm Sydney. What are we talking about today, Sid? Today we are diving into finance 101, building a budget, and the basics. Getting your budget in check. Yes. And we're ready. And I'm ready. And I'm excited to talk about this today. Let's uh, dive into some of your budget updates, Sid. I feel like um, you've been making some good progress and this theme and topic is relevant to some of the things that you're working on. So many great updates. So I've been working with my faux accountant, Chelsea, and shout out to Chell. She has been just kind of the best support slash teacher slash guide that I think I've had ever when it comes to finances and what she's had me do recently um, about two pay periods ago she asked me to start taking out a certain amount of money in cash and put them in separate wall or in separate envelopes um, and so I've been doing that and I'll go into that a little bit more later but the process of sticking to a cash budget is something that I haven't done before so that piece is going well we're like kicking debt out out the window. Um, and we have actually a really great plan in place to start saving actively for the holidays and for a trip that I'm planning. Um, and it's just been going really well. She's amazing. Do you feel like you're calling on her for support when you want to spend money on things? Yes. She is my like emergency contact when I want to spend money on jeans or dresses <laughs> or because honestly, it's weird now. It's more that I want to spend on clothes because I think I was so quick to do that for so long where I was like very conscious of my spending on eating out and drinking out. But I was not nearly as aware of my shopping habit that like you see an email that comes through like 50% off if you send $300 and like, oh, I can do that. And so that's like you are now realizing that your money was just be, like purging to spending. Yes. Yeah. Because I get those promo emails every minute of every single day and they're all from my favorite places. And so it was super easy for me to feel like I was justifying buying clothes for work. Um, and it, it just, I don't necessarily need them right now. And I need to curb that spending when I thought it was something totally different. So she's been my like go to text of like, I really want to do this. And she's like, don't do it either save it and compile your shopping budget or wait until the holidays or wait until we get that credit card debt down. And then you'll be able to spend at least a little bit more. So she's been hugely supportive in what I didn't even realize was a huge struggle of mine. I feel like I'm so excited to hear that because that's the best part about getting your budget in check mm -hmm. because you're realizing where your money's going. So I'm so excited to hear about some steps that you can take to get, get into it. Yeah. And like sneakily too, I didn't even see that coming. So she's been amazing. And that's, that's how my, my budget update is. What about you? Do you have anything to share? Nothing major. Um, my whole process of making good food at home and not uh, diving into easy takeout options when I'm running from meeting to meeting has been 
so successful and I'm safe. Like my credit card bill um, this month is spectacular. And so if I do have the urge to um, go out somewhere, I'll try and figure out a way to uh, toss it into a business meeting. So I feel like, you know, let's meet at this new business because I wanted to check it out. And then I feel less bad because it's like a business occasion. Yeah. And I feel like that makes your like dinners out and your drinks out, either connecting with friends or a special date night or something like that. It makes it a little bit more special because it's not just your default mode now. It's something that you're either planning for or like, oh, this is a, this is a special night out and we're going out for dinner and it's going to be like something a little bit different than just a grab and go. Yeah. And I, I, I love it. And I also just am having fun trying new recipes, but One of the things I wanted to make note of that we'll include in the show notes is um, I actually stumbled upon this thing called the 48-Hour Personal Finance Makeover. It came through (laughs) in a Career Contessa article. So um, I haven't dived into it yet, dove into it. Um, So that's, that's to come. There may be some more interesting tidbits, but I found that the other day and I was like, let's check this out because that might be just like more helpful tips that we can share with people but or at least a worksheet to kind of follow on the conversation that we're having today absolutely next sesh hey sid hey brian what is inspiring you this week so this week i found something that i'm really excited about that i didn't realize at first glance would be something that would speak so personally to what I care about and what I believe in. So I found this article um, on firstround.com and it is called These 13 Exercises Will Prepare You for Work's Toughest Situations. So I'm like, I face a lot of tough situations at work. This is awesome. But then I didn't realize how important these 13 exercises would be. So basically I'll give you the short version and then we'll share the full link in the show notes. But Maggie Lang is the VP of content at NerdWallet. And this article basically breaks down how she comes at something that she's calling dynamic empathy. And the 13 exercises are 13 scenarios that you might find yourself in, in either work or a personal environment and questions that you either ask yourself as you walk into these meetings or questions that you actually ask the person in front of you, depending on the situation. And what I like about it is it so often asks you to check yourself first and see what you are putting out into the environment that you're about to walk into. So it's not just putting something on someone else, either in a managerial situation, if you are the manager or in like a upward leadership situation that you might find yourself with your boss. Um, And it talks about how to hire people, how to fire people. And I just think that it's one of those things that like you print out, you laminate, you save forever because it's not something that should just live on the internet. Like this should be a manual that all people have, because I think empathy is the most important thing that you can have as a person. Um, And so many people either don't know how to use the empathy that they might have or they don't have it at all. So it's just a really good set of exercises and questions that I found so interesting um, earlier this week. So that's my that's my big moment. I am so ready to dive into that because that's like everything I want in life is just like examples on how to handle tough situations because you can never really be more prepared 
for those types of things. They hit you when you least expect it. So um, I'm going to check that out. I'm I'm ready. Super exciting. (laughs) I loved it. I was like, I tweeted it. I talked about it. I told everyone about it. So hopefully you all get something out of it too. Cool. Okay, Brian, give it to me straight. All right. So as we mentioned, today's topic is all about financial literacy. And in the world that we live in, this is all too important for women. And I think to be able to own your independence, have money that you call your own, be able to like own everything that you have in your life and to basically just conquer the world like a badass is pretty inspiring. And so a lot of the ways that you can do that is by saving money, having a budget, making smart financial decisions. And it's really empowering and life-changing. And I think we need to be able to embrace that from a lady's perspective. So um, I think most importantly, from the basic level of just like needing to have an idea of what money is, what money is going where, where you're spending your funds, how much is coming in. Everyone has kind of like this different perspective of what they're trying to to achieve. And that can be everything from paying off college to paying down credit card debt. Um, I know we're all like you and I are even working on our different goals, Um, saving for vacation. Maybe you're looking to buy a new car and you need a down payment. All of those things are really important. And as single ladies out in the world or married ladies or whatever, um, you need to be able to say like, I've got my stuff together and I'm good and I've got the money to support myself. And I just think that having a budget and um, understanding where your money is going really helps to support that and setting goals for yourself and achieving them. So we're going to kind of like figure out step one, talk about examples that Sid has lived and breathed and, and go, go for it. Definitely. We're ready to do it. Should we speak it, queens? Let's speak it. Okay. So today we're going to dive into some examples and evidence based on why financial literacy and having a budget is super important for us ladies in the millennial age. Mm -hmm. Can you vouch, Sid? Can totally vouch, um, mostly because our spending habits are different, our saving habits are different. What we prioritize is is probably very different. My mom's probably more than you know the average mom's generation away from me. <laughs> She's a little older than than most moms my of people my age, but her spending habits and and her lifestyle was so different. Um, you know, right now and slash when she was my age, that I think we really need to take a look at what has changed and what our values are and how we absolutely how we um, make that happen. Yeah, I think um, something that's really important, too, is that like, I don't know why, but one of the things that my mom has referenced and you and I have talked about this is that like your dad comes from financial knowledge. My grandpa actually was like a very successful man in finance, but never taught, or at least like, I don't know, my mom's the youngest, maybe just, they were just like, good luck in life, (laughs) carry on. (laughs) Um, But she never really got a full breakdown on like how to make smart financial decisions. So a, a lot of it was like trial and error. And that's what I 
witnessed and experienced. And so from my background, I, I came from this world where we didn't really ever have a lot of money. Um, we always got by. And then when my parents got divorced, my mom essentially became a single mom raising three kids. And so to kind of have that upbringing of like not having a lot of money and or always being conscious of like, okay, I should spend appropriately um, or being cognizant of where the money is going or we don't have any, so you can't have that. <laughs> and that's like, that's kind of a sad place to be when you're a kid and you're like, I want to go on the field trip and your parents are like, oh, that's really tough for us to make work right now. And so I think you and I both kind of come at this from the perspective of like, hey, let's look at what our budgets are. Let's see where our money's going. And now that we're like out living in the world, we're, we're essentially teaching ourselves how to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is something that I you know, am just learning to really appreciate because I've always worked and I've always had what I needed to do what I wanted to do, um, both because of my parents' generosity and because of the work that I was doing um, in high school and college and now out of college. But I, I always said that I had enough to pay my bills, but I didn't realize that saving was a thing that you actively did. I thought it just kind of happened. And I'm now realizing how much work it is to do the breakdown, understand how to not overspend, to realize that all the categories that you spend in, you should be watching every single one of them. Um, so I was really excited to get the, the background knowledge maybe a little late, um, but be able to start putting a lot of those practices into action now that I know what to do. So. Yeah. I think one of the things that's important with this is understanding and realizing where the money is. Mm-hmm. And I think from a parental perspective or like what you witness as a child too, is just that idea of if your parents aren't necessarily like walking you through personal finance. Cause again, why aren't we teaching this in elementary school? Yeah. That should be a school, thing in school. College. <laughs> <laughs> Love my parents, but that should be taught in school. <laughs> so, um, it's something that I think as you're in the world and you realize like, oh, my parents had money because they had a budget. And so now you're trying to figure out how to do that yourselves. One of the things that I did in anticipation of this episode was just poked around a little, did a little research about um, our lovely generation that is living in this world and how things are kind of shifting and changing from in terms of just like priorities and where, where we are at from a money perspective and business art, uh, business insider posted an article in April of 2017 that talked about um, how 20% of the consumer debt in the U.S. is held by us millennials. Whoa! Which, which I find to be shocking. I think that breaks out to be 1.1 trillion dollars of the 3.6 trillion dollars in the consumer debt. That's circle. that's. So interesting to hear that fact, because then from my perspective as someone who works in fundraising and philanthropy, who also looks very hard at the millennial generation and on the opposite side of their, it's their giving and how much they're giving to organizations and how all that shakes out. I, you hear a number like that, like you just said, and you're like, holy Toledo, that's huge. And then I think about 
the way millennials are giving, which they are one of the most generous generations and they give to organizations that they truly believe in. But then you have to wonder, are they putting that on their credit card? <laughs> and is their generosity is wonderful and amazing. And I'm, I'm part of that. And I love that. Contributing to their debt. But is it part of their debt? And yeah. how, how do we kind of even out that scale and how are we helping that? And what I thought was interesting too, is that, um, of that debt that we own as millennials, it's primarily in student loans, mm-hmm. duh, yeah. and auto loans. So oh, yeah. a lot of us, and versus the older generations, all of that debt that they have is in essentially equity because it's in a mortgage or their home or whatever. And so I think to, to realize that like we don't have like the debt that we have that's contributing to our consumer debt in the country is based off of our education is just like that's a problem in and of itself but we can't change it today and i'm gonna still live with the hundreds of dollars that i'm giving back (laughs) to my banks that have gratefully provided me funds to get an education to land me here today (laughs) so but the reality is i think um we can't necessarily make any major changes. I think it's important to be aware of it and obviously to find ways to make changes, but obviously knowing that your debt is in these realms and this is where, you know, you're placing your funds. Yeah. Let's figure out a way to pay down that stuff as fast as you possibly can so you can spend your money doing things that actually give you life and happiness and value and joy. Yeah, and going back to the the fact that your debt is an auto loan or a, a student loan, which I would argue that the student loan is like from from my perspective, I think that it is for a lot of people a good idea to go to college, not everybody by any means. Um, but we should definitely be thinking about that as we're asking people to apply to colleges and take on that kind of debt that they know they're taking on or their parents understand that this is a debt that's being taken on. But then what are we doing to educate as that's happening? Are banks holding classes about what it means to take on that kind of debt? Are colleges holding classes on what it means to learn how to pay back that kind of debt? Like, why aren't, why don't we think about those things? Why aren't we putting those ideas into the minds of these super powerful people that run these places and, and really helping the people that we want to have this kind of education, but let's help them. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because even just thinking back to whatever I, it feels like the very last day of college that I attended this, where it was like the day before graduation. It's like, you're all going off into your amazing worlds where it's funny. A lot of people in my uh, department didn't get jobs immediately afterward and just dove right into grad school. So they have additionally more debt. debt. But it was like day before graduation, attend this class. So you understand what you're signing off on. They literally <laughs> After four years. sign a paper that was like, you understand that you have to pay debt back. And instead of being like, here are helpful things or here's some knowledge about how to approach this or like, what does this actually mean? It was literally just like, if you have this much money, this is what your payments are going to look like. Here's how much you're, when you're going to have to make these payments. Here's when it's all starting. You know what you have to do now? All right, go do it. Bye. And I was like, I'm actually more stressed out now and more concerned about what I'm doing and knowing that I have all of these loans in my name embarking on the world and having no real idea what I've gotten myself into. 
Yeah, and that's why it's super important. I'll do a plug for philanthropy to support scholarships. <laughs> yeah, at your alma mater, or find a way to help give back in some way if you if you're able to, because the thank you notes that I've read from students who receive scholarships is they are thankful doesn't even begin to describe it because they understand what kind of debt they just signed up for. And to know that someone's helping them pay for their education, even if it's in a small way, they are immensely grateful for that help. So if you're listening and you have an opportunity to try and give back or understand what that means in any way, then consider it because our, the students today need your help and they will appreciate it tenfold all the time every day. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It is. And um, I think since we're kind of in this mode of talking about student loans, I can kind of talk about some of the things before we dive into your like budget 101 conquering my new lifestyle, your funds, <laughs> like a champion. Um, in my world, the student loan thing is really my biggest like cloud hanging over my head from a financial perspective. Um, I'm lucky not to have any other major debt. I because I have consciously I I built a budget for myself. So the things that we're going to talk about with Sid um, really helped me get to where I am right now. Where I've kind of pinpointed specific things that I wanted to hit first. And so number one was um, paying off the loans that had the highest interest rate. So putting the most money that you have available and like obviously as you're creating your budget, knowing what mon- what funds you have available to pay towards your payments, if there's any extra, putting that toward your highest um, interest rate loan, which is really important. And so thank goodness, th- I'm going to say a, a thing that's going to alarm a lot of people, but one of my student loans had an 11% interest rate. How is that even allowed? Yeah. Like for an 18 year old. And to be signing on that dotted line and be like, yeah, I can do that. And you don't know, like, again, I was like, I have to go to college, must sign document. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, when I realized you have to pay this back and here's how long it's going to take you and here's how much interest is going to accrue over that time. And again, thing that I had to figure out on my own, shocking. Yeah. That's insane to me. That is shocking. That... I could have just, like, there are probably people out in the world that are just like, I just keep paying my payments and nothing's happening. And so I actually took the time to go through each of my loans and figure out, break it down based on interest rate, what are my payments, can I consolidate things? So first things first, pay down that 11% interest rate loan, which is just bonkers. And luckily it was actually my smallest loan. So um, I worked really hard and... I basically worked a second job. (laughs) I used all of my extra waitressing money when I was first um, working my Xerox job um, right out of college. And I also did waitressing. So all of my waitressing funds, basically working just a consistent 60-hour week. And extra money, loan money. So that that was really... um, really beneficial and I think that's something that should be stated is like if you're trying to pay down debt sometimes that's a thing that you have to do and so in my world that was something that was important to me and in order for me to actually dedicate money to this thing um, I I was like this is my option this is what work is going to work for me so I'm going to do it and so it was very tough like mentally but 
I was able to pay that off in two year, year and a half out of college, which was like off your plate. Yeah. But then all the other loans. Right. So from there, I decided it was my best option to consolidate. One of the reasons why that was important too, is because my mom had co-signed on a couple of my loans and my brother and sister were going into college. And so, or my sister was in college and my brother was going into college. And so she was like, I'm really concerned. I'm not going to be able to co-sign on some of these loans for your siblings. Are you able to consolidate? Is that something that makes sense to you? Um, so I looked into it and that was, I actually was able to lower my interest rate, um, lower my payment each month and kind of chunk that into something important. So, um, important and relevant for my lifestyle. So, um, from there now, my goal from here on out is just, I, I basically paid double what my payment is because my payment was lowered. My interest rate is also lower benefit pay extra on it. I pay the amount that I was paying on my other payments when it wasn't consolidated because I was just accustomed to paying that amount every month. But the fact of the matter is that if you're paying on top of that, um, in terms of like, uh, paying less interest and paying down the premium faster, that's an excellent suggestion. So yeah, and I think you said a very important thing about how your highest interest was also your smallest loan. Mm-hmm. So even the smallest loan, thinking about really taking a look at that interest first and going to the the number second is the way to kind of order those things. And um Bola from Clever Girl Finance is someone that I kind of will tap into her um, website and her podcast to learn a little bit more about finances. She's super smart and she's paid off a ton of debt and saved a ton of money through the program that she has created. And she talks about that all the time um, about look at the interest rate first and understand what that actually means and how much you're paying if you're not if you're not touching it, then how much are you, how much are you wasting by not paying or by paying the minimum or something like that and really understand what those numbers are. So you're not digging yourself into an even deeper hole. So I appreciated that information because something that I didn't realize was that's the order of things. That's how you do it. So, yeah, I think it's always really eye opening too, when you see what your interest rate is, what your payment is, and where those, like, what percentage is going to what. And so when I looked at it and I saw the difference of, like, okay, if I pay my actual payment amount on my loan, only $100 of it, whatever. So, like, if I'm thinking about percentages, I think 20% went to the actual premium. Mm-hmm or the the final loan payment like cutting down that (laughs) (laughs) that number at the end of the day the rest of it was going to interest and I was like what yeah so that's why I was like all right I guess I because in my mind at first I was like oh it'll be nice to like build up my savings account by paying less but the reality was okay I have my emergency fund savings set right now for myself and what I comfortably feel is necessary for me to have in my savings account. So I might as well use this extra money to throw it at. Um, Now that we've kind of like piecemealed a couple examples of student loan specific, 
I think as you think about kind of taking a step back and really looking at your own personal finances from an overarching perspective, I want to talk with Sid about how she actually started from ground zero of creating her own budget and where she wants to go and what she's doing and how it's working out. Yeah. So the budget thing was super scary for me because I, I, I have a a touch of the OCD and I control a lot of my life with lists and organization and keeping track, like mercilessly keeping track of a lot of the things that I do, um, which we can talk about at another time. But I didn't want to add tracking spending to that that list of things that I was already tracking that that made me feel like I was suffocating a little bit until I put it in different terms of and again, um, Bola's advice was what do you want out of your life? And don't think of a budget as a restriction, but think of it as an opportunity to get what you're looking for out of your own life, whether that be wealth, whether that be investments, whether that be paying down loans, um, consider that an opportunity versus something that's holding you back. And so as soon as I switched my mindset, I think that really opened my eyes to everything that my budget could do for me um, and making that work for me. So my first step was to understand what I didn't know. And that was budgeting. So starting there was... Step one, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. So you have to be super honest with what you're aware of. And as as someone who, um, again, was tracking my spending up to a point where I was not putting myself out, you know, like I could pay my rent every month. And that was kind of like where I lived. It was like, as long as I can pay my rent... And as long as I can get coffee every day, I think I'm okay. So those things were my consistent, solid way of living. And as soon as I understood that that is not a good way to live and that you should be trying to build savings of some kind or, again, paying down credit card debt, student loans, anything like that, which I thankfully didn't have student loans. So that's something that I didn't have to think about. And I think that probably shaped the way that I think about spending. Um, and I'm very honest about that because I would never want to fake that part of my life because from what I know from working in higher ed and from the friends that I have who do have student loans, that's a huge, huge burden. Um, and that's why I think I had a different way of thinking about money. So as soon as I started thinking about budgeting, I started to understand what my next steps were. And for me, that was asking for help from other people. I could have probably, and I'm sure a lot of people have taught themselves how to do this. Brianna, you taught yourself how to do this. I think one thing that's important to say is that we are not financial experts and that we have tapped into a lot of resources. Um, I think you should do, do your research for sure. Um, But there's a lot of, again, we'll link to these in the show notes of just amazing resources that you can fall back on and people that you can talk to 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 get your life in check. Yeah. And I think one thing that I consistently do well is understand that I don't know everything about everything. And so I, with her permission, will share my faux accountant's information because I think that she did an amazing job with my budget. And so Chelsea was someone who I trust 
with everything and what she asked for from me when I said like, okay, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to sit down. Like, show me what you got. Let me, let me like, let me have it. Um, and I wanted her to be brutally honest with me. And I think that's the other thing you open yourself up to when you're ready to take this step, depending on what your financial history has been, um, and what you've gotten yourself into or what your, um, the opportunities that you've taken have gotten you into. So student loans, again, like that's a thing that you are looking for that education, but that doesn't, uh, that unfortunately doesn't save you from the student loan problem. So understanding how you got to where you are and being ready to open yourself up to getting help with that. Um, so I sent Chelsea everything. I sent her my statements for the last few months. Um, and we kind of started there. Yeah, I think, um, when you chose to sit down with Chelsea, was she someone who kind of embodied financially secure in your mind? Is that why you spoke to her? Absolutely. Yeah. She, um, so a little background on Chelsea, very short. She owns a business with her husband and she does the books for that. She also has her degree in economics and numbers have just always come easily to her. (laughs) And she's always had her eye on the prize as far as what she wanted out of her life. So spending and saving were things that she kept really close track of. So yeah, she was someone that I trusted, not just because she's one of the, you know, one of my inner circle people, but because she knows what the heck she's doing when it comes to numbers. Um, So sharing with her again, like opening myself up to what could have been a ton of criticism or like, Oh my God, you spend that much there. Like why? Um, Giving her all my statements, my credit card statements. And at the time I had two credit cards open. Um, and so sent her all that information, checking savings and two credit cards for the past, probably three to six months back, depending on what it was. So we started there. I gave her whatever time she needed. She got back to me in like three days with, after going through everything, And she came back to me with a budget. She looked at what my spending categories were. She looked at what the debt was and how would would be realistic on how to pay it down. And the most surprising thing to me, and you can laugh on your end if this is not surprising to anybody but me, but what was surprising to me is she's like, I don't want you to save any money. I want you to get rid of all of your debt first because the kind of debt I had was going to be payable within a six to eight month period. So Mm -hmm. she was like, knowing that you don't need you, what we're going to do is budget you out. And I, I trust that you'll stay within the budget lines, which she was giving me a lot of credit (laughs) by assuming that I think. Um, but she also knows I like a challenge. (laughs) I went out with you one day and you were like, this is how much I have. I was like, Oh, I, Oh. Yeah. And it was hard. It was that moment where we were like, I almost, and that was the embarrassing part, I think at some point, cause I was like, I don't even want to say how much I, I have to spend because it's not but a it was lot. Helpful. Yeah. Because then I was like, I'm not going to show you this $300 chair. <laughs> and I was like, but can I get the $300 chair? <laughs> so she was like, I want you to keep a cushion of like, I'm going to be very honest, 100 to $200 in your savings account. And then everything else is going to your credit card debt, both of your credit card debts. When you say 100 to 200 in your savings, are you comfortable being frank saying that you don't have a savings right now? Yes. Oh man, Sid. Yeah. So So you're like literally scratch. We're like, I'm learning things today, guys. 
<laughs> from scratch, bare bones, like starting fresh. Starting at square one. So I will say that through my employer, I have like an account that I don't touch and can't touch. So that exists. But yeah, anything that I can touch really doesn't exist. So yeah, for everybody. (laughs) This is great though, because I think it's important to say this because you're literally starting at like important budgeting, finance, status, bottom line. Yeah. I think it's really important to say like, hey, I don't have a savings, but I want one. And in order to get there, I need to pay down this credit card debt first. Yeah. And I guess I should also start by saying the two credit cards that I had one, um, if anybody I'm, I'm assuming people have credit cards and if you don't, then there's a lot of information on which ones are good and which ones are bad. I use nerdwallet.com um, for all of my credit score information and figuring out what credit card will work for me and the place that I'm in and interest rates and all of that good stuff. They do a pro and con list for every one of them. So using that, I started with an ESL. That's my federal credit union here in Rochester that I use. I had a credit card through them that had a fairly low limit. So I was never exceeding $2,500 on that credit card, but I was jumping up into the like $1,500 range on a regular basis. And now that we know I have no savings, not being able to pay that down all at once because I also had other bills that I was paying. So that was probably the range that it lived in there. And then I have the Chase Freedom card that I recently got because cashback is king and super cool. And that had a larger limit that I didn't, it was probably living in the same world. Um, I paid for a couple trips on that and um, was paid back. But then, you know, it's one of those things that I'm like, I do, I do way more than the minimum payment, but I wasn't ever paying it all the way down. So as a baseline, that's where I was starting. I think it's really great that you're kind of being frank about this from that perspective. You mean I, freakishly honest <laughs> and I'm very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> no, it's, I feel like this is a beautiful thing because a lot of people are in the same boat and or a lot of people have been in this same boat and they're trying to figure out where to begin and how to get out of it. And that can snowball into like worse scenarios. So the fact that you're like, I see this happening and I want to have a budget and I want to be able to pay off my credit card every month. Yeah. And the way just like as an aside, once you've got your budget set, I pay off my credit card bill every month. Like Mm -hmm. I treat it like it's my own money. Like it's coming straight out of my debit card or my banking account. And so whatever I put on my credit card is like straight up money I have in my accounts. Yeah. So I try to be very cognizant, but that's where the budget will get you is where you can say, here's what I'm spending. I know where my money is going and I'm going to comfortably swipe my card because I know that I have this money. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that like, I, we were talking to a friend who said that she, she had a client who said, I need to use my credit card and their credit card machine was down. She's like, Oh, we'll go get cash. She's like, I need to use my credit card. And, and for some people that sounds insane, but for me, that was the way that I was living as the money wasn't really mine. And I knew that, but I also was like, 
but but it won't get declined, so let me just use my credit card. So And it's easy to get in that place when you're like, oh, it's just 50 bucks. Right, and then 50 bucks adds up. And I want to just take a second to say, in no way am I implying that like I'm living at the poverty line because I know that's such a serious thing, especially here in Rochester. That is a huge, huge problem um, for a lot of the people that live here. And, and by no means am I saying that I have... Um, I take ownership of like everything that I've gotten myself into, but I think that, um, it's something that I put myself in this place. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, because of my circumstances. And I think we just want to identify the difference there because I really, there's a great article on manrepeller.com that we'll share in the show notes that said, I want people to stop saying that they're poor when they can't pay for like a $50 dinner because that's not poverty. Um, And I want to make that very, very clear. So we'll share that because I loved the article and I thought it made a really good point about how um, curt in a way or how like lazy we are about throwing around that kind of language that's very serious for so, so many people. So we'll just make that a caveat in there. Just an important aside. Just an important aside. Um, So as of right now, I think as I shared in the budget update, Chelsea put me on an envelope plan and she wanted me to not touch my credit card basically until it gets paid off, Um, which was challenging for me. So I have to go to the bank every two weeks on my payday, take out a certain amount of money. We do a check-in. She has, um, and again, I'm really... um, trying to be very open about my situation. So hopefully it'll help someone else understand that it's not the end of the world. There's a way to get out of the place that you're in. Um, But she put me, she's broke down all of my categories and she gave me a certain amount of money um, to take out in cash for each category. So I did that. And then what I love was that she's like, this by no means is set in stone. So if you find that like you need more for groceries and you're not overspending, but you just, you're eating at home, which is good, but you're not finding you have enough to spend on groceries, we'll take from another place and put it toward your grocery budget. Um, Same thing for entertainment, same thing for or dinners out or coffee out. Um, and do you make note of that, whether it's on the envelope or in your Excel spreadsheet that you have to say like, okay, I'm actually finding that my grocery budget needs to be like $120 instead of 100 Yeah, so I quickly realized that I could not fit all my envelopes in my tiny, tiny purse. <laughs> So, interesting problem, <laughs> which is something I never thought that I would have to even think about. Um, so I actually considered buying a larger bag, which you know, it like I have like a buzzer on my wrist that says like "Don't do that." <laughs> so <laughs> I talked to Chelsea. She's like, "Well, just take out the cash." And this is it, it feels so stupid to say, but like I really needed help. So I really needed her to walk me through every single like problem that I thought I was facing. She really helped me like just walk through them. She's like, "Okay, well, if you don't have the envelopes." on you, then just take out cash from each envelope, but you have to have a running tally. So going back to the problem I thought I was going to have about the OCD and the keeping track, I find that although it does kind of make me a little crazy, I have a running list in my notes section of my phone of how much I'm spending and what I find really helpful is where it's going. So I get my coffee from the same place every day. So that's the same every day. But um, groceries, like I go to two different grocery stores. So knowing where I'm spending more money is really helpful for me to see. Um, Restaurants, knowing what restaurants I'm going to and how much I'm spending at those specific restaurants because I can't reference my credit card. (laughs) 
statement. <laughs> so I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's so true. Like when I look at my budget, I'm like, okay, I can break things down based on category that's already categorized mm-hmm. in my credit card statement, but you don't, you're like manual status, manual status. That's so cool. yeah. So that's something that I've like over the last month really learned how to do much, much better. Um, and the other thing that we're talking about now, um, that I'm really excited about is that I we're getting down to the end of paying down the debt, which I paid off one credit card and closed it. Yeah. We need to take a moment and celebrate that, guys. <laughs> Cheers for Sid. Yay. Clink, clink, clink. We're gonna have a glass of wine later to celebrate. That's huge. That felt really good. That and felt you need to really good. Yeah. Everybody, if you have a moment where you're like, I've done it, you deserve to buy yourself an affordable bottle of champagne. Yeah, that's the other thing is really understanding, like, I get a discount at a certain liquor store and I didn't get that discount when I recently bought a bottle there and I was like, holy Toledo, that's way more expensive than a year <laughs> live. And now that I'm so aware of it, it's it's really, really good. And, you know, I'll just say if, if this all sounds like rudimentary to you, that's because it totally is for me. And I know Brianna's in a much different place than I am, but I think that's what makes this conversation really important. But I feel like everything that you're talking about, knowing that, because this hasn't been very long and to know that you've already paid off one of those payments or uh, credit card statements that was lingering, just knowing that like, I can do a quick adjustment and maybe like take a like three months and be like, I'm going to see where I can shave off some extra spending and then everything that I save right toward my college loan. Right. Yeah. So that there's just like little, everything that you're talking about can be readjusted into those different categories. I mentioned it's like, okay, maybe you don't have any debt and you're living a rock star life because that's the ultimate goal is to have zero debt. Um, but then saying, I want to save for this fun vacation that I have coming. And then because that's exactly a future goal that you have for yourself and having, you know, a savings account set up and funneling that extra money there. Definitely. So So it it manipulates itself. It does. And to be able to pay attention to it has been, um, way more exciting and fun than I ever anticipated having a budget would be. Um, so the last thing that we've been working on up to this point that I'm super excited about, um, is thinking about what are our next steps. So she's given me the projection of when the next credit card will get paid off. And her next goal for me is to really put that like nest egg cushion of like the three month worth of pay that they say they, the, the ever knowing they that we talk about, um, to have that in your savings account on the really awful chance that you lose your job or you make a move or you just, you know, need a change or something like that. Um, so she, we, the, the major goals that we have right now for me, because she is my, we, um, is to put that money in savings and she gave me a time frame for it. So I, like, if I can't sing her praises enough for Chelsea is that she is really thorough and she does this with you. Um, and I've talked to her, I've talked about her at work with different people I work with. They're like, can I use her too. And I'm like, 
I'm getting you a ton of business. Um, and to now fair, Chelsea's got a side gig and going to start making some extra money too. Seriously. And I will say for full disclosure, I gave her a $50 gift certificate to Wegmans before the budget officially started. And she told as a thank you. And she told me to never do that again. So, <laughs> because it wasn't in the budget. Um, so some of the big goals are to have that cushion of savings. I have a trip planned um, that I'll be able to pay for in full without having to take away from anything um, in the spring. Um, gifts is, you know, giving is something that I really enjoy doing. So having like a, a, a realistic goal for giving um, at the holiday time. And there was another, oh, she really wants me to be able to buy a new car. So that's like her personal goal, um, which of course I will get on board with. Um, And the other thing is I believe in philanthropy and I asked her if we could fit that in and how we make a realistic budget for my giving to uh, nonprofit organizations during the year. So, and she was really receptive to all of the goals that I have. And I was really receptive to the goals that she has. Um, And that's, I think the most important part is if you're doing this either on your own to do your research and understand realistically what you're able to do, or if you have someone you're working with, make sure they're someone you trust. I, the, the thing that I've heard from every small business owner I know is that their, their closest confidant is their accountant. Mm-hmm. And now that I have my faux accountant, Chelsea, she is like my most trusted person when it comes to this stuff because she knows best. She it knows way better than I do. Years to find a good person. Yeah. And that's really, it's true. Like, it's kind of like making friends with people. Like, you go into a meeting and you're like, I don't, I don't jive with you. I'm not going to call you back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and then you're like, oh, wow, I made the best decision ever. <laughs> yeah. But, but when you find that person, again, because you're putting, money is such a sensitive topic that to be able to talk about it openly and honestly with someone and trust that that person has your best interest at heart, both of those things working together is what's going to make you successful in whatever you're hoping to do with your finances. Yeah. I think those steps that you outlined are goal oriented. Number one things that people should consider when they're diving into creating a budget for themselves. And I think in terms of just like general tips about finance and diving into this world that may seem scary and unfamiliar for a lot of us is just educating yourself and knowing your credit score, having an idea of what personal debt you have and what are those interest rates and where's your money going? How much are you actually making? Yeah, that's the thing that she wants to know. Every two weeks I give Chelsea because um, I fluctuate because I work a second job within my job so I get paid extra in my paycheck and she, that really throws her so she gets angry about that but mm. to know what is actually coming in is a thing that you you know you know because you know what you need to pay your bills and that's again what I was doing I, I knew what was coming in enough to know what I needed to pay my bills everything else was just kind of like, blah, yeah. <laughs> like it'll go wherever in order for you to actually successfully save money or pay off debt you have to do that second layer and know what's going out yes. after the fact beyond bills and just general expenses yep. and categorizing them and setting budgets for yourself and sticking to it. I think that's, you know, the thing that's the hardest about all of this is like we can tell you all the tips, you know, under the sun, but you have to stick to it and make it a habit. And I think the great thing about the scenario that you're in is that you have someone that you can rely on and talk to. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we want 
you to like share your goals with us. Yeah, and honestly, we'll that, hold you accountable. We really will because I know I need Chelsea to hold me accountable, Brown. I know I need you to hold me accountable. You're the person that when I'm like, let's go to the bar, you're like, let's have a glass of wine at home with one of the eighty bottles that lives in my basement. I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds better. Um, but to have that accountability, and it is. I, this might sound so dumb, but it is really hard. There have been so many days where this this sounds stupid, but there have been days where I'm like, I just want to go buy that dress that I've been thinking about since I left the store three weeks ago. And usually I, I, my mentality before was like, if you can't stop thinking about it, go get it. Not, can you actually afford it? And the answer is no. Like, yeah, I have the money in hand, but it's not segmented for that. And I need to have the um, discipline to say no to those those urges. And that's what they ended up being really a lot of the time is the urge. And that was a little scary for me to realize, but it feels really good at the end of every two weeks to, to know exactly how I shook out to know it's like cheating on a diet. I mean, it's like anything that you're doing to better yourself or get to a place that you want to be at. It takes a lot of hard work. And I never thought that saving money would be so hard. Um, but it's it's totally paying off because the reward, just like sometimes when I skip my bowl of ice cream, is way better than the thing that makes you feel good for two minutes. And then you're like, oh, oh, shoot, like, I didn't want to do that. I didn't mean to do that. But the difference is, like, I probably wouldn't return a dress. So <laughs> what I love is that you are a financially independent woman, Sid. I am. And that feels good. And I love my boyfriend, Doug, with everything in me. Um but we definitely have separate finances right now. We're dating. Um, and I appreciate that he understands my budget and he's been very supportive too on the, like we used to eat out a fair amount or we used to go get drinks. Um, and he's been super supportive in cooking at home and changing some of those lifestyle things that we had together at the beginning of our relationship that have really had to pull back or change entirely because of this, this thing that I'm trying to do. Yeah. And that comes at a different layer of just like being open with the people around you and closest with you that you're on a budget because Mm -hmm. then it makes it easier. Look, if people are, when you were like, Hey, I only have X number of dollars to spend here. I was like, okay. Yeah. And I I was like, (laughs) I can help you not max that out. (laughs) Whispering about it. (laughs) Awful. But it's, it's really important to have people on your team who um, do support you. So I'm very thankful for that. So yeah, that's my, that is my uh, step-by-step that Chelsea's walked me through and that I've worked really hard to stick with um, for the, for the last uh, month or so. Um, And, and I think it's important to be honest about that. So Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll share all the the tips and tricks and show notes and links and articles that we referenced in our show notes. And we want to hear from you guys. If you're kind of diving into this just like Sid is for the first time ever um, or need some inspiration or just want some high fives and camaraderie when you've hit a goal, we want to hear. 
Yeah, we do. And I will say that I think then we're going, this is going to be an ongoing conversation for us. And I think the next time we talk about finances, we're going to talk about retirement and investments and maybe that next layer of, of stuff that you might be thinking about if you're not at like novice level like me and you're mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, how do I make my money work for me? And what does investments mean? And how do I do that stuff? So I think that'll be our next topic when it comes to finance. So look out for that in the future. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Should we break? Let's break. Feeling like a queen yet? Find us at Queen Speaking on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram and tell us all about it. See you next week.